Welcome to the Matthew Moran Podcast. Here you will find a series of in-depth conversations with the world's best nature photographers, filmmakers, conservationists, editors, writers, and publishers. You will get an insight into the lives of creative professionals and industry experts. It is a chance to hear their stories, personal journeys, and how they carve a niche to make a living. The podcast focuses on the role that photography and filmmaking plays in helping to raise awareness about the global plight of species. And despite the depressing statistics, we look for solutions of what we can all do to contribute to conservation. All my guests give up their precious time and are incredibly generous in spirit. So this is my chance to share these conversations with you, to sit back, relax, and enjoy. Part two of my podcast with Neil, and we talk about the struggles of making a living, why you shouldn't work for free, and why photographers are always the last to be paid. Neil opens up about suffering from depression and how he would like to see big changes in the way photographers are treated, so they are shown more respect and not pushed into situations they can't refuse. Neil uses his time on here as a call to action for all of us to speak more about the issues of feeling sidelined or isolated, and to get conversations going so we no longer feel alone. Nature photography can be a solitary business, so sharing the lows is just as important as sharing the highs. A lovely side moment happens when a fox pays us a visit about halfway through the interview and a wonderful experience for us both who have spent many years photographing them. Don't forget to listen right through for great recommendations of people to follow and competitions to enter and places to visit. All right, on with part two. I was to say, Neil, welcome back, but you just... You know, <laughs> you I wasn't it. the one who left. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, we talked a lot about uh, mm. your stills projects. And uh, when I first spoke to you, you kind of basically sort of said you'd moved away from photography mm. and stills largely. And a lot of photographers are, are, are doing that. And is that partly just evolution of your practice or is it also where you feel you can be more effective um telling stories with moving images yeah um a, a bit of everything um you know th there's a huge amount of, of personal um reflection pain um wrapped up in 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 that decision uh, in all of this i got to the end of 2008 uh sorry no 2018 um, so just over a year ago, and I, I, I basically realized just purely through self-reflection that I was dealing with depression and it was, um, it was feeling, I guess that I, I was kind of not in control of everything I was doing. You know, I was always, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping that something else is going to come along that's yeah. that, and that your fates have lay in the hands of others um and really the decision i made was okay um i need to take more control uh over the things that i can control basically and just just focus on those things that's and, a hard thing to to realize in when mm, you're having bouts of depression i mean were you getting yeah. help at the same time no i wasn't um I'm not saying people shouldn't. People absolutely should. I know, um, yeah. There's the and, and it's it's a huge and hugely important part of people's uh, lives and, and processes these days. Um, I 
I put it down. I put my my own sort of ability to, I guess, reflect um, down to my years uh, rowing back in South Africa. I rowed internationally, um, and you know that's it's it to row to that level and to to do anything really to that kind of level. And I've had similar conversations with with friends of mine who and colleagues of mine who were in the Marines. Um, and it's that level of mental sort of toughness um, that allows you to kind of reflect on something um, and just go, okay, this is the situation. You're struggling. What are you going to do to get out of it? And it, it seems strange to to kind of put that back on um, onto my my rowing background, but you know you to to compete in a sport like that to that kind of level it's it's down to your mental strength um you know i, I wouldn't say i've got the same level of mental strength now for for sports <laughs> if you put me in a rowing boat i'd be like oh, god no please never again <laughs> um but it, it it you you learn a lot about yourself and uh you're competing with others you can't you can't control the speed of the boat next to you on the water when you're rowing you can only control the speed of your own boat and doing what you can do to the best you can do it um and there's a lot of similarities there with what i was doing um and i just realized that i was putting a lot of emphasis on sort of, uh, not expecting things from other people but but hoping for things to happen so if you're if you're uh, applying for for grants if you're entering competitions if you're pitching work um uh, you're you never know who else is pitching you never know who else is entering you never know who else is shooting the same story um you know sometimes they're a duplicate so in terms of you know different photographers working on almost identical stories at the same time uh and anyway it was something which just it made me just sit back and like and think right okay i need to take control of this i need to focus on the things like control uh and that just meant realizing okay first and foremost okay strip back on certain things um that was largely stopping having conversations with a number of people in the industry uh mainly editors at magazines there are some wonderful people um and who i've continued working with um one of those unfortunately has recently passed um steve from Apple mm, photography yes, magazine who so i can recent. feel myself getting emotional even just thinking about it i mean he was one of the few people i would say from uh, editors in the industry who you never felt was trying to get anything more out of you you never felt that he was actually taking advantage of you or that he was um sort of not respecting your input um he was just a genuinely just lovely person to deal yeah, with i'm really glad you brought steve up yeah. actually because yeah it's a, a, a huge loss and i think the, awful the messages yeah. of support mm. showed you yeah. know how loved and how respected yeah. he was in the field and and how completely mm. authentic and genuine I, I was fortunate enough to you know mm. know him and, and work with him you know, yeah. not lots but enough to yeah. you know really appreciate him in in this industry for sure you know he gave he, he and I literally worked recently on a um, on a piece together in last month's magazine. Um, wow. There was an interview piece that that we did. I said to him, similar to I've said to you, there are things that I'm going to talk about um, that you might not want an interview in a magazine to, to to touch on these points, but I want to talk about them. What do you think? And he was absolutely supportive and very positive about 
about providing a platform for me to talk about depression and about about some of the struggles as a photographer instead of this whole narrative of like you know being the awesome guy at the face with a long lens uh uh and uh and that kind of almost of rock star photographer uh and just to to do an interview that moved away from that and and he gave me the platform to do that um and so yeah, we just worked with them exceptionally, uh, exceptionally recently. Um, and but he was sort of one, one of a few, a handful that I was prepared to carry on having, having sort of dealings with. There were other, other editors in the in in the industry, prominent editors in the industry that I, I just decided, you know what, I don't believe that you're actually, being, much of a force for good when it comes to the individuals. Um, you might be providing a platform for for certain stories, but you, you know the 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 way that you're that you're dealing with photographers and and people who are real people who have got bills to pay um, and who are trying to be out there on the front line capturing uh, work that uh, about stories that need telling. Um, trying to do our bit to inform, to educate, to inspire people. Um, I, I just didn't feel that actually it were being respected a lot of the time, and and I had to sort of cut some of those conversations out. Um, and this wasn't through any bitterness about not getting breaks or no, know, not at all. Just... It was just it was assessing the situation and just looking at you know what actually, you know, the definition of insanity is of doing the same thing over and over again. I realised that. Um, Again, self-reflection. I think if I went back ten years and look at where I where I was in end of two thousand eighteen compared to ten years previously or eight years previously, I I'd like to think my work has improved. I'd like to think <laughs> I photographically I'm taking better images, but I wasn't in a better financial position. Yeah, and I'm not saying I should be. I'm not saying hey, I'm you know taking a holiday every year to Mauritius and <laughs> you know, got four cars in the driveway and a big house. Um, I don't own my own house um, and. You know, it's always a battle to keep the secondhand car that I <laughs> that I've had on on the road. Um, you know, always buying secondhand gear um, to be able to do the job that I'm employed to do. Um, but constantly being in debt, constantly having overdrafts, constantly so basically getting to bill payment time and and having to ask people for help to kind of bail you out and to be doing that for year in year out, year in year out, and always being the last person to be paid. Um, and you know that I had a number of situations rock up at the end of 2018, which kind of led to me to be thinking about this, but it was just, I am always the last to be paid as a photographer. Um, and you know, that if there's an event on that, the event organizers or the caterers or the printers, the marketing company, they're all going to be paid, but the, you, know, you as the photographer, you, you might be at the center of that as a, whether it's a speaker or your work being exhibited you'll get paid if you're lucky in, in time a month later or several months later. Why, why, afterwards. Do, you, why do you think that is? What, what is it about photography that we get pushed to I think, the bottom of the pile? Um, I think genuinely, I think a lot of the time it's taken advantage of, particularly our, those of us who work in the kind of wildlife and conservation world. And I've had a lot of conversations with people about this when it comes down to conservation and people trying to remind me that, Oh, it's the conservation sector. You shouldn't be making money in the conservation. Just come on, do me a favor. Mm. Like I, 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 I've dedicated my entire life professionally, even before I became a 
professional photographer to the conservation industry. I was working in the conservation industry and in, in, the, in the communications uh, role before I went into photography. I spent my entire life in the conservation world. I do everything I can. Uh, it is focused on trying to make I sounds really corny and like a Miss World pageant but make the world a better place um, but largely that's at the that's at the sort of the core of the decisions that I try to make um yeah. and the stories I try to tell um and I don't need to be reminded that there's not much money in the conservation sector because yeah every time I look at my bank balance I'm very much aware that there isn't much money in conservation but I you know if, it, it if if other people are being paid why why shouldn't I um and in a lot of these organizations that you work with, there's a thing called a human resources department. And you know, if you look at resources as like, you know, we're sat here in your little studio here and we've got a light stand and a, a microphone stand. And if you need and a computer, if you needed to run an event and you needed some computers to show some films on, an organization would say, okay, well, we've got two computers, but we need four. Okay. Um, you know that you can't just make a computer um, and chances are you're not going to get one for free. Um, you can ask, of course, and call them favors, <laughs> but um, it's a it's a resource to make your event happen. But when it comes to human resources, well, the thing with humans is you can have a conversation, you can tap into their emotions, mm. and you can make them feel bad for for asking to be paid when the event is about conservation. Mm. And it's always just that let's just push you a little bit more and just let's just see what else we can get out of you and this is the point i was making about steve just now is i I just never i never had that conversation with him around anything where he was ever asking for more um i was always he always seemed grateful for whatever you could give him in terms of input time ideas expertise uh, yeah expertise etc but i found it was very rare and unfortunately so also within the charity sector as well um you know, I have some wonderful working relationships, uh, which I've kept on. Um, but there were some that just needed to go because I just felt that I was kind of being looked at as a, uh, well, yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of a necessary resource as a photographer, but, but it's someone who we can just, let's just see if we can just, um, get a bit more or, or ask him if he can do it for less. And don't get me wrong, of course, you know, it's, we all, we all do certain things for free or do certain things for a reduced rate here and there um and and i do, i still do but i i've just developed a stricter set of boundaries and a, and a greater decision making process um and i mean I one think, of the, one of the mm. things um you know we were talking about earlier you know, around around boundaries actually we can come yeah. back to that but something i'm really interesting interested in mm. you look at your list of awards in 2018 or yeah. I, I can't remember the year you won world press but whatever you know you've you've got a long mm. history of you know being a successful photographer in the major competitions you know work published widely you've also talked about having to sell your gear to make yeah. an ends meet even now whatever struggling a bit being in debt you are a photographer that a lot of people would love to be in your shoes, but you don't want to give across this negative message of like, don't do this. It's a struggle. You are a lecturer, at, yep. you know, a leading university with one of the best courses around yep. natural history, filmmaking and conservation. You know, how do you tell mm-hmm. a, a young green person who wants to really get into this? You know, how are you 
<laughs> even you stand up at the lectern yeah. and you're not spitting bitter fumes across your audience about not getting the breaks yourself. So how the hell are you going to get it? No, you know, no. What? Absolutely. no, you're absolutely right. It's, it's about, and I, and I do, I do have to have that conversation with myself about how do I, how do I put this across? And of course there are, as, as what happens, and I've mentioned a few ex-students in, in this uh, time together that we've had here, um, who have obviously got, had the chance to then spend more time with me either as students or as students and they've got to know me and and we could, we could talk more freely but in in general terms um <laughs> when i stand up at falmouth and i'll, I'll sort of say the same now it, it is about it is about having those boundaries it is about knowing where how far you're willing to go for someone else when they ask you to do something or how far you're willing to go for yourself to get a a project shot or a, uh, to do a shoot or tell a story um you know everyone it's, it's it's hard because everyone's situation is different I, I wasn't born with a trust fund funding my photography um it came through patience and hard work and that's largely what i do say to people is, and that's why i said at the start about not being ashamed about having another job sure um that's one of the things and we, we started at falmouth uh two years ago doing a um a work placement module where we're trying to say to be it's amazing how many photographers, how many of the students came to me saying, Oh, tell you what, I wrote to um Andy Parkinson or whatever and about being his, about being an assistant for two weeks. And I thought, I'm not sure the last thing Andy Parkinson needs is 14 second year students <laughs> writing to him. But um apologies, Andy, if you do listen to this, but, but um but fundamentally I think the most important thing that a lot of the students got out of it was going, um, yeah, some of them went to BBC Wildlife, for example, some of them were photography um assistants you know tim flack for example in his studio in london had had a couple of students but but for a lot of a lot of the students that they, they went off and worked with charities and so the comms departments and going off and, and finding things which actually are still relevant the, your, whether it's you it doesn't even have to be uh, in terms of taking photographs but actually seeing and learning how photographs are used in the wider context so those who went to BBC Wildlife magazine and had some work experience there um, got to see how the team there was using photography as part of the magazine. And that was the same in charities as well. Those who went to work for the Wildlife Trust or others. Um, yeah, it's so good to see how... And it's preparing them yeah. For, yeah, for, for an industry. Yes, you can still be a photographer and carry on taking photographs. But if you can take what you've learned at Falmouth and go and just be patient go and play the long game spend time because i started off at the wildlife trust and my first professional commission came from someone at the wildlife trust because i'd stopped working there and but they i developed that relationship i'd started taking photographs while working there going and spending time on certain nature reserves and then a commission came came along and i've enjoyed a a, a nice working relationship with with the the wider uh, wildlife trust movement for for many years yeah um but that was that came down to just that kind of patience developing relationships um and and that's where you, know, you can start building that that career in terms of where i am now and trying to kind of avoid getting to the point where uh so i, I basically got to the point at the beginning of 2019 where i said like i'm giving it six months and if things haven't changed um then i will sell my gear and i'll I will find another way to do something, do it differently. I, I realized as well, and this is part of the self-reflection that we were, to, that we were just talking about. Um, I don't identify myself as being a photographer. 
And it's not because, oh, yes, no, I'm now a filmmaker. It's not that at all. <laughs> it's just that I'm a communicator. And at the moment, I'm, I'm doing a little bit more filming because of the projects I'm working on. Um, I am still taking photographs. But also, at the same time, I'm, I'm asked to do talks. I, you know, my role at Falmouth is communicating. It's educating. Um, it's getting across concepts. It's teaching people uh, to look at the world in a certain way or to give them an option to look at the world in a certain way. Um, I see myself as a communicator and photography was just a tool for that. And if I couldn't make photography work, if I couldn't make uh, filmmaking work, then I would I would change. I would find a different way of doing that and a different platform for doing that. And whether that was going back into the conservation sector again um, through communications roles, whatever it might be, um, I, I basically set myself that, that timescale. Fortunately, Certain things fell into place, and I think actually by by establishing greater boundaries, um, it's it allowed me to 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 focus on things that that really mattered, to focus on things I could really actually, um, I guess, uh, achieve areas I could achieve change in. Um, I like think it's a really great mm -hmm. lesson, isn't it? If you are learning how to say no. To something yes. that you might that, that you that, that you need maybe that's maybe that speaking event or that commission yeah. will pay you a small fee of 150 200 yeah. pounds which is drastically under what you should be paid yeah. for a day rate and you think oh but if i get that yeah but there's something that does come from saying no yeah and it's and that I've, you I've, empower yourself yeah. you give yourself greater respect and then you've also set yourself this benchmark of actually no yeah. my day rate is yeah. 500 800 a thousand whatever yeah and it is, it's kind of funny that those jobs do start to come along. Obviously, you have to be good enough, but if you kind of set your boundaries and say, no, no, I'm not going to work for below this, yep. unless you really, I mean, you, you know, you say you, you still do work for free. I do occasionally as well, but it has to be, yeah. you really have to see the value in it for yeah. yourself. And I know, of course, when I say work for free, of course, there are, there's, it's far more complicated than that. And, and there are things like sort of copyright ownership and whatever else like come into it. So, sure. Um, there's some work that I, again I can't talk about, which is photography work, which I'm I'm to, uh, hopefully going to be a chance to do this summer, which I've I've agreed to do without it being a, uh, a a day rate. But then there will be opportunities for that work to be published outside of that, and I will own the, the copyright to, to those images. Um, so, and and that was that was kind of what I did with the pangolin work that I did back in South Africa was I had a. Uh, a charity that I'd worked with previously approached me largely just for help because they were really struggling to get people on board uh, around pangolin conservation and to care. They needed to raise funds to look after these things and to re return them to the wild. They're really struggling to to get the message out there, and they approached me to help. And I put my hand in my own pocket and. <laughs> The, the the small bits of dust and sand and <laughs> loose change that came out um, helped me to 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 get out there. But I knew that then that work would be professionally sort of useful um, as well for me. You know, I got to help a charity and, and actually people who are good friends and have become good friends through through working closely with them in, in the previous few years on on their rhino conservation work as well. So I got to support them. And at the same time, you know, I knew that look, pangolins are becoming well known, and the the work was potentially going to be useful from a from a publishing point of view. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think, I believe, it, some of the images might be in BBC Wildlife magazine, an, an upcoming article. I I don't know, but I know that 
the nature picture library my, my agencies have, have sold some of them into some magazines recently um so i'm now getting some return yes. for those for those yeah. images and, and hopefully over you know a short space of time that that will then pay for the the flights <laughs> and there wasn't a huge amount of cost when i was there it's just a case of getting to south africa yeah, sure. i was looked after kindly by people who appreciated me being there so it was i knew that i was being respected and appreciated i knew that like these guys are struggling to to feed and 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 and, and look after pangolins um that you know, I'm not expecting to pay for my flights. Um, some people would. I didn't expect them to pay to pay for that. That was part of the agreement. I I, I assessed it and I I took that that opportunity. Um, but there are things I have said no to. Um, there is a charity here in the UK which I'm not going to mention. Um, you know, large charity, and I sort of explored a commission with them over the summer last year and walked away from it because mm. um, the situation wasn't right. It wasn't handled in the right way. And you know, maybe a few years ago, I would have, I would have stuck with it and, and ended up maybe um, committing myself to something that wasn't really going to be sort of potentially worthwhile. Um, I think your journey mm. is a really good lesson in it. No, there's no, there's basically no quick fix to no. working in no, this no, world no. No, and, no. and it ebbs and flows in your decisions of, you know, doing paid or unpaid yeah. work and, and even just gathering the content takes so long. Building the relationships takes such a long time. This is yeah. This is work that you and 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 then struggling with depression and mm. overcoming or tr attempting to overcome that during all of this. It's it's a really important. We don't want to be like yeah. down on no, the no, world no. of nature photography, but it's such an important story to hear, especially mm. when there is so much noise on social media with people looking amazing, millions of followers. Uh -huh. There's there yes. is the uh, there is the there is this side to it, which I think you know, like you've already said to me previously and on this podcast, that um, you know that's the rea reality for for most people. Yeah, it's an interesting one. There there is this kind of um, on the, on the surface, this kind of rock star, uh, cowboy kind of you know jeep jockey photographer, aren't I awesome at the front line kind of. Um, particularly, I think, as a <clears throat> youngish um, <laughs> white male, um, you know, it's that, that's part, kind of part of the image that has been, always been put out there. Is like, hey, you can be a National Geographic photographer, and you know, you'll be everyone will love you, and you know, they're awesome. Um, <laughs> but actually, uh, yeah, look, people struggle, yeah. and and it's part of why I said to you about doing this podcast, I said, look, you know, there are things I'm going to want to talk about. I, and I, I want, I want to be open about the struggles and the depression. I want, I when I spoke to Steve at Outdoor Photography, um, I, I wanted him to consider allowing me to talk openly again about about depression because people need to talk more about it. And the number of people I've had personal conversations with, um, people around similar age um as i am um you know similar stage in their careers so you know dealing with a lot of the same issues um and really struggling some guys i know who have been hospitalized um because of anxiety and it's a real issue and we mm -hmm. have to be aware of it and and this is why it's it's really it's a call to you can yes you can only control what you can control you know the things that are, that are in your direct um sort of sphere of influence but kind of <laughs> through this com this podcast i guess it's a call to 
to kind of the people, the editors, the uh, running the platforms that 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 are that sort of consuming our work and publishing our work to to respect the the people who are out there creating this content uh, more because that's a lot of the time where so the source of this of hurt is is coming from. It's the um, it's that sort of that drive to get more to push people more um, and. I'm not pointing the finger of blame at of all these platforms or whatever. You know, people have to make also be miss of making better decisions for themselves. Yeah, but and editors' hands are also tired with if ever decreasing budgets. No, of course yeah. they are. Of course they are. And like I said, this isn't any sort of swipe at anyone. No. Um, but but at the same time, there is um, there's a fox right there on the wall. That's very awesome. Oh, there we go. There we go. We just had a fox creep into the, it was it was meant to be because it was it. it was just let down <laughs> it was a good looking fox it is very nice it's <laughs> a lovely tail wow there we go like live and direct oh he's on the roof oh wow wow there we, we go we're, we're, we're wow. picking that sound up yeah. we've got the audio of the so out here um i've got a well a sort of glorified shed really we've actually got a glass roof we might even see underside and it's we'll get the we'll get the the bottom view of fox walking <laughs> above us. Keep your eyes peeled. Hopefully, it's not Jonathan Scott and Amara with the tutor <laughs> going to the toilet through the roof. But wow. uh, if anyone hears this in fifteen years' time and finds us a bad day, it was the fox that killed us. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, look, coming back to to what I was saying, like I said, it's not pointing the finger of blame at at, at, you know, at absolutely anyone here. We're all part of this industry, and we can all we're all part of the making it better we have to look after ourselves better and of mm. course you know individually we all we're all responsible for that um but you know it is a call to to you know people who are providing a platform particularly if you've actually commissioned someone to just you know it's about you know, paying photographers on time it's responding to emails all these kind of things which um which kind of get overlooked and people out there are struggling and often be because of the 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 kind of the profile, the desire, the need to be seen to be uh, successful, you're often not seeing it. You're not seeing it through people's posts on social media, but behind those those posts, a lot of people are struggling um, and struggling with the competition, struggling with making ends meet. Um, and it's just, I guess it's just about actually treating everyone and each other better but treating yeah. ourselves better it has to start it has to that's start that's what i was going to say within ourselves we have to treat ourselves better and the part of that comes down to you know, to developing those better boundaries yeah and having confidence to be able to say no and actually mm. you know if it's 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 funny that isn't it there's mm. this age-old service that's been going for a few thousand years of oh i want something from you and you you've got those skills i'm gonna have to pay yeah. for it so that's a, a yeah. fundamental level we really should be paid for absolutely our service our expertise uh, if it's good enough to be published if it's good enough to be out there if it's deemed if it's deemed usable Mm. um then it should be paid for uh absolutely and you know the um i think it was something we've we've we talked about earlier today you know that that research by renee brown the uh about compassion and, and people who have who have empathy and who are compassionate the most successful people who who have that level of compassion they they also have very clear boundaries um and and that was something which i well i was introduced to that that concept that that research recently but it resonated with me and i was able to to look back on it and realize that that's what i had been doing over the last 
year or so um, was redefining my boundaries and just deciding kind of what, what I was prepared to do, what I was prepared to uh, put up with, who I was prepared to work with, but also just, okay, you know, just what do I also want to enjoy? Like, it's not just about looking at the negatives. It's about realizing why you got into this in the first place. I, I, I you know, I realized recently when I was filming for Back from the Brink, um, coming back full circle, back to the first yeah. conversation. Yeah. <laughs> um, I realized I was out shooting uh, bee wolves in Dorset. Bee wolves are awesome things. If wow. you get the chance to, to, to watch the, the Dorset film from Back from the Brink. Well, actually, there's a little them. taste already, isn't there, on your updated showreel? There is. Yeah. Yeah. Of them, uh, they're these, these, uh, these wasps that hunt. Uh, honeybees it's um, magnificent footage so yeah definitely check that out you get a little taster of um i had an r- excellent day just watching them and uh filming them there was a great moment with with one bee wolf trying to get a bee into its burrow and it was a bit like watching two guys trying to take a a, a sofa down some stairs <laughs> just that kind of no twist at your end no no just no, the other way no other, other clockwise other clockwise um just it couldn't get this bee into this hole that it was it had to eventually make the hole bigger uh to get the bee down so it was but i realized while i was filming that that i don't think i've actually been as happy in in my work in terms of while out shooting since my wild dog work back in 2010 wow um so it had been almost 10 years yeah um, since i actually realized you know what this is actually mm. this is why i got back into it i think since between the wild dog work and and this last project with 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 wild screen on back from the brink there'd been a lot of fog yeah uh, there'd been a lot of shit to wade through um it tied in with uh, i read a tweet that you recently posted about t- the last decade 2010 you're starting the new decade with sort of yeah. promise and and new uh, challenges yeah and, and looking for just you know it's that kind of optimism and like i said i've still i'm still keeping my mind open about where i go with this uh you know this this journey um i don't identify with being a filmmaker or a photographer i i like to think i as if i i'm here to communicate and engage and inspire and potentially educate and, uh, and entertain inform, people. Yeah. Um, hopefully it's like the entertain, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. Uh, but that's that's kind of why I do what I do. Um, and it's great, those moments, you know, you, you talk about it's getting that buzz again out of yeah. it is is such a thrill. It has, and- it has, that's really helped. It's allowed me to just fall in love again with what I do. Um, and... You know, I think part of it as well was kind of, although obviously Back from the Brink is rooted in conservation, um, that was that kind of spending time with nature. Actually, that's what it was. It was being able to spend time just watching something amazing happen and just being just overjoyed by watching something unfold in front of you that you've maybe never seen before, something that's maybe um, needs our help that you think, okay, you know, I I can capture this and I can hopefully inspire others um with with what i'm doing here but fundamentally just enjoying what you do and uh and it's a little bit practicing yeah. what you yeah. preach right if you're yeah. you know you have to you're, you're a, a, a nature conservation photographer and you know, that means hours spent in the field okay you're doing also some difficult subjects but 
you know the point of it is also to enjoy yourself and and yeah. to and to be passionate and also to be open-minded to learn and uh experience which is something that, that you know there's this big call about yeah. reconnecting with nature which is something that all of us are lacking and i think i think what i realized as well and this is this is the weird bit of balance where i am at the moment is is that um just feeling now like i've got the strength to kind of engage again with with conservation projects and conservation teams and part of it was um you know i worked for i worked for a few years with uh the, the rhino uh situation in botswana in particular and i yeah i'm going to talk completely openly about about that i'm not sort of naming names or anything but but the the egos and the bullshit in that in that sphere there was just maddening it was absolutely bonkers um just this kind of uh idea you, you could actually tell there were a number of people um who were just in love with the idea of being the person who's remembered as the person who saved the rhino and if anyone gets in their way uh well you know wouldn't want to be them kind of thing and it was um well it's an ultimate you know, display of insecurity really isn't it oh, <laughs> at the hugely, end of the day yeah hugely and there's you know there's there's a couple um there um i mean who knows what i mean the visual bears uh of, of people who who um i'm quite happy to to to, to mention their names they they sort of got in the way of um of some of the some of the work that i was trying to do there with with the charity i was working with at the time um and it was it was just it was just ridiculous um and it was all down to ego um it was all down to coming back to that dick measuring thing <laughs> um and it's i i needed to step away from from that and it's and it was about again just having that wow as a yeah, fox upsetting a dog um <laughs> and i was uh i just needed to to kind of set new boundaries for going back into the world of conservation again um so hopefully i've been able to kind of learn from these uh from these things we've got our friend coming back oh yeah definitely upsetting the dog and uh just doing its roots jump back over the fence it's a nice <laughs> moment <laughs> so um you know it's about redefining those boundaries yeah. so to then go back into the conservation sector and 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 just work with hopefully people who are a little bit more respectful of of others and of what what we can all bring um with our different areas of expertise and different skills uh to to try and just let's face it put a halt to some of the the, sort of the biggest whether it's wildlife crimes or wildlife trade atrocities or uh or the sort of loss of biodiversity whatever it can be but we all need to work together yeah. and actually put us put aside these these egos and this uh there's just this just maddening uh situation where kind of we're all out for ourselves um and it comes back to just that sort of treating each other better and treating ourselves better yeah and that's brings it nicely back because we can slowly wrap things up here we're talking about you know you moving back into conservation and whether that is as a, a filmmaker a speaker mm. a photographer and one of the things that i've talked to a lot of the you know, recent guests about is this remaining hopeful yeah. in a time when there's seemingly not much hope and mm. you know you you talked about you know perhaps some of these campaigns that you've been involved in and worked on or know about have halted some decline but the landscape in photography and conservation photography really has to change because very little is changing in your opinion yeah. so you know what how do you remain hopeful what gets you up and and, and motivated and because you know we've also talked mm. about it's great making films that the public can see but 
a higher level, at the policy level, that's where things yeah. need to change. And so how can you exert your influence as a filmmaker and photographer? It's tough, for, it's tough for one as one person. Um, obviously, we can all start and we can all do our bit. And you and I have enjoyed a nice vegan lunch today. <laughs> and um, you know, I drive a hybrid car and I, um, and I do, do my bit. Um, I'm reducing flying and made the decision not to have kids and all these kind of things that, that I've done myself. Um, but then, then, then you take the steps professionally and you think, okay, now this is what I, I choose to do as a, as a career and okay, how do I reduce my impact there? Um, and particularly you mentioned filmmaking and the exciting thing is there is, there is the grassroots of, of conversations happening in Bristol at the moment um i'm sure conversations and and similar thoughts are happening hopefully around around the world wherever people are making films or, or make creating photo stories um but conversations are happening around how we can all improve the industry um be better as uh as a wildlife media industry um what are the kind of things that we can control what are the kind of things we can change the media is a really really tough uh not to crack in terms of making any changes there because i mean well who there'll be people who will say oh but you can just change what's put on tv yeah but then there'll be others who will say yeah but you know we can oh, we create the, the the programming that you want um <laughs> and a lot of what's being commissioned and being shown and being agreed to put on tv that that i would say needs to change um but i mentioned television again to be honest you know there's there's now we're very fortunate i think where we've got an opportunity to change that that narrative because of things like Apple, Netflix, Amazon coming online, putting money into the industry, and to start having conversations around conservation. Um, and, you know, I, I think quite a lot is made of how the BBC effectively, you know, saved the world from plastic because of Blue Planet. I think <laughs> quite a few people do, again, do quite a lot of work before the BBC came along. Um, but but it has helped. And it, there, it is an example of how actually if you put a conservation message out there on a, in a big on a big platform like that, it can get more people talking about it. it can get, and it can, it can be that kind of seed of change where it's to, it gets more people aware. It led to conversations in government Um I you know I listened to it live. I don't listen to much politics coming out of Westminster, but I, I was a, I happened to be listening at the time when they talked about it. Um, so th there needs to be a change in what content content is being shown. I'm not saying that we shouldn't have blue uh, blue chip natural history films because they can inspire and and we can all be inspired by the beauty of nature through those wonderful natural history films. They have a place. I firmly believe they have a place. I'm a I'm, you know, I'm a hard conservation-minded, environmental-minded individual who still enjoys watching the beauty of nature, and we're largely going to protect what we love. And you can develop a love and an interest by being inspired about some things that are beautiful first, and then asking that question: Okay, what, what can, what can I do about? It? And that's where that messaging comes in. I mentioned that's what we we're trying to do with Back from the Brink about putting those messages at the end of those films, um, saying you can be part of the solution that's the exact words that we used um and i think there needs to be more conservation uh messaging signposting people to what they can do if they've it's a bit like when you when you watch 
Oh, if you watch EastEnders, I mean, I don't watch these things, but if you watch something like EastEnders... Um, <laughs> My I'm partner gonna... will be listening to this. It's a big battle in our house because she actually does watch EastEnders. <laughs> I don't want to let Sophie in on uh, her, her, her TV habits in, uh, into the nation. But, we have um, to put her in touch with Ro. Oh, no, I know. Um, but I am aware that, when the, you know, these, these programs do touch on some big social yeah. issues. Yeah. And at the end of it, they will say, if you have been affected by any of the issues in this program, then, and well, why aren't we doing that with... with with the environment with the climate there are climate anxiety is a thing we need to be aware that there are people out there who are genuinely worried about the state of of our planet and should be and should be more people should be um so why isn't there the the messaging at the end of program is saying look you know, if it doesn't have to be focused on the negative you know if, if you're worried about the things that you've seen if you've worried about the plastic you've seen in this program then um <laughs> but but if look if you're inspired to make a difference to change then you know go online we had this wonderful project called breathing places i i was the national communications manager for it in 2008 something like that um it was a bbc learning campaign which sat behind all of the programming that the bbc did around natural history and it di it directed people to getting involved and the, the do one thing was the strap line and it was trying to empower the nation to do that one thing for nature. And if everyone did one thing, the the, the biodiversity and the environment um, here in the areas that we have an influence on would be would be better for it. And I think, oh, but I just think we're crying out for a campaign like that right now that is isn't. <sighs> where the funding structure isn't so fragile and is maybe sort of actually those barriers are broken down between maybe the, the whether it's charities or broadcasters or whatever, a little bit like back from the brink to, to learning from how the charities there have come together to collaborate for, for a greater good. Having something at the end of, you know, your, your programming on Netflix or Amazon or uh, BBC, which can say, listen, yeah, go, people in the right direction yeah, just to, to and, get involved. Go and check something out um, and that, that's somewhere near you where you can go and maybe do something or, or do it from your own home. You don't have to go out on a cold winter's day and go and cut back brambles, which plenty of people listening to this probably think, well, I've got brambles in my own garden. I can be cutting <laughs> back. Why should I go and do it on a nature reserve? Um, that's a fair question. Um, but there are things you can do from home. And I, I, I don't know. It's it's It starts at home. We all have to do our bit. Um, there are conversations happening in the industry in Bristol, which is exciting um, about changes, and that's also exciting. Uh, I think hopefully we'll see evidence of that later this year at the Wild Screen Festival. Um, I know that I've had conversations uh, with the team about hopefully um, doing some some things there. Yeah, um, and, and it seems and, like it already is as well. You know, given mm. two years ago, you know, we mentioned that the you know the festival going vegan and the yeah. type of content they have there is yeah, exactly moving <clears throat> more into the conversation about conservation. Yeah. It's creating a platform for these kind of conversations to be to be had, and 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 that's that's the great thing about a festival like that that is is sort of positioning itself as as particularly with the hub that we created at the last festival. Um, yeah, the, the, that was a masterstroke on behalf of the team there that that, that decided that hey, we needed that central base because you know, the feedback that came through from people I've spoken to was oh, it's so great having that central hub. It was a place to have conversations, and um, I, I, like I said, I don't know what the team at Wild Screen is is is, is considering for, for for the festival ahead later this year. But but like I said, it's definitely seen as that platform to have these kind of conversations yeah so, and there's a thirst for it yeah, um, and we need to we just need to be talking more about it it's a bit like talking about depression talking about money talking about everything we just 
need to talk more instead of working you know, individually worrying if am I the only one who's struggling with this am I the only one who <laughs> worries about my carbon footprint as a photographer or filmmaker am I the only one who's worrying about money or am I being taken too seriously or all you know, these kind of things that I know people sit and think about yeah or just talk more about it yeah. and yeah Neil I really appreciate that I personally really appreciate it um spent relatively very little time together but um honesty around all of these subjects is is nice really real re, it's really refreshing in 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 a world where there is a lot of anxiety and about trying to be the best about trying to get your content out there and knowing it's a struggle for a world press winner is 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 good yeah. i think for 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 people to hear and um i would love to just continue this conversation yeah. we could have like a whole family of foxes <laughs> come through you've got yeah. a, a long drive back west and your your dogs to walk and we don't yeah. want them to miss out <laughs> so but we'll do it again and we will put all the links up on um, your page on my website we'll put links to back to the brink and and uh, obviously you, you know your, your your personal work and hopefully we can continue the conversation going through here um, and we'll get it out to as many people as we can so Fantastic. thanks so much for coming pleasure. along it's been a real pleasure thanks I appreciate it thank you I'm really grateful for Neil opening up about battling with depression. He's just such a successful photographer in terms of his accolades, what he's achieved, all the projects he's been involved in. This hasn't prevented him from dealing with the harsh realities of making a living. In the short time I've known Neil, I've reflected on many of the things he's had to say. And since this interview, I've already started to take action. And just knowing that there are others out there who go through the same issues is reassuring. And I hope if you, the listeners, are feeling the same, this can spark conversations that will help. So check out Neil's website and his social media links, which are on the podcast section of my website. Also the Back to the Brink project he is currently working on with Wildscreen. And on Wildscreen, I mentioned them in the last pod and a reminder to enter the Panda Awards, the highest honor in international wildlife film and TV. If it's just about stills, then check out the Photo Story Panda Awards. The deadline for both is the 10th of April. If you don't enter either of these, then come along to Bristol, 19th to the 23rd of October. It really is a natural history film and photography indulgence that you will find nowhere else. This is the place to be. There's workshops, presentations, the best place to hang out and meet all the main players across a multitude of platforms. Visit wildscreen.org for more information and hopefully see you there. Thanks so much again for listening. I actually forgot to mention on the last podcast that the podcasts are all available now on Stitcher. Sorry it took so long for the Android users. Um, so yeah, you can now download and listen to them on Stitcher. Just go to stitcher.com and search for Matthew Moran. I should also mention I will be speaking at the photography show uh, in March. I'll be there on Sunday the 15th. So if you want to come and meet me, I will be on the Lumix stand around 11 a.m. and on the Shutter Street stage at 3.30. Uh, if you want to come and meet and have a chat, it's always a great event to attend. Huge number of visitors, exciting things going on with new gear and great presentations from photographers from all over the world. So hopefully I'll see you there Sunday the 15th. If not, I have recently released a whole new set of dates for workshops on Hampstead Heath and they run from April the 18th right the way through till March 2021. So if you're interested in booking one of those, have a look on the workshops page on my website 
And another workshop I'm starting new for this year is a photography and bookmaking workshop uh, with my good friend Eddie Ephraims, previous guest on this pod. Uh, we are doing a weekend long version of the current workshop I run just one day. So if you want to get more involved and want to tell stories with your pictures, we will be on hand to help you with that. So again, visit the workshops page on my website to find out more information. Thanks again. Until next time, see you soon. Thank you.